Well, welcome everybody to Intersection. We are so glad you're worshiping with us as we begin our first Sunday in Lent today. Also, welcome to those that are watching online. We're glad that you're connecting with us in this moment. The passage that I'll be reading today is coming from the Gospel of Luke, the 23rd chapter of Luke. So I invite you to stand as you're able in body and spirit in honor of the reading of the Gospel passage. I'm going to read a few verses ahead of what the passage for today is, so you'll just be able to listen in. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. At this time, I invite you to draw your attention to our screens as we have a video for you. first time that I would have to depend on my on my faith is when I lost my father. I was a young father myself of a of a one year old and I didn't even know <laughs> you know if I was gonna be able to to be a good father for you know for her with me losing my father so young. That was definitely be the time that I had to test my faith is um, when I lost my father. So I, I grew up in the church. I've always been around Sunday school and worship for all of my years of growing up, I did not uh, immediately get involved in the youth group. It took me a while um, of my dad nudging me to get involved in that. But my faith moment that I look back on is in college, my freshman year, I went through a retreat called The Journey, and it was there where I first understood the cross and knew that Jesus died for me and for my sins. I grew up in a Christian home, so I always knew that I had faith in God. I learned that from an early age. And I always was sorry I didn't have that Damascus Road moment. But there was, as I think back, a moment on my first mission trip when I really was doubting myself. Why was I there? And I remember asking God, why did you bring me here? I don't know. And almost instantly, a little old lady grabbed me and told me why I was there. And from that moment on, I, my faith in whatever God needed me to do, um, He would be with me and show me why and where, you know, I was doing it. And that was a special moment. Okay, when I first realized I had faith, it was, uh, I was about 35, and it was right before that I was to be married to this, to this. And he's a wonderful guy to me. And he had children. And I didn't think that would be a good deal for me because he had six hours. <laughs> but uh, and my mom told me to pray about it. So I prayed about it and it 
and it came to me. I thought these children was going to be the worst thing in my life because they were somebody else's children. I prayed about it right before we got married, and I prayed about it, and I said, I asked the Lord if this was the right thing for me to let me do it. And it came to me in, in my sleep. I was, I was okay. I felt like that was the thing to do, and I felt like he didn't need me and those kids needed me. Um, when I was in my first uh, church job, as youth pastor at Raymond United Methodist Church a thousand years ago. I was terrible. I, I was young, I was stupid, I was unorganized. I, 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 this is not false humility or making a joke. I was not particularly good at this. And it, I was so bad at it, um, to the point that I questioned if God had really called me. I mean, how can you really be called by God if you feel like that much of a failure? So one night, when I was about ready to just realize maybe it wasn't a call to ministry I felt, but it was heartburn, I went over to the church and I was just praying at the altar. I went to the altar a lot like this. And um, I was praying like, Lord, I don't feel called to this. I'm not good at it. I, I, well, I, I feel called, but I don't feel, I'm not doing it, it's not working. I, I feel I'm bad at this. Um, about that time, some, some moonlight fell off, but it kind of came through the stained glass went off the side and kind of rested upon their baptismal part. And, and it hit me in that moment that I was called by God because he called me into salvation. And my success ultimately is not found in how big the church grows or anything like that. But my success was found in the fact that my life is called to be immersed in the love of God. That God has claimed me as his own. It wasn't that he was mine, but it was that I was his. And that I knew that at that moment that God truly loved me. And truly not just called me into ministry, but called me into salvation. And so some of y'all figured out that some of our staff members here at St. Matthew's just sharing with you the moments they realized they had faith in Jesus Christ. And as you notice that uh, each one of their stories is uniquely different, as yours is uniquely different. And when you realized you had faith in Jesus Christ, and we'll get into that a little bit more here in our, in our message. But this begins our series that we're gonna be looking at for the season of Lent. It's the last sayings of Christ and what that means for us today as Christians. On Ash Wednesday, we started the series with, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so on our altar table, we placed a crown of thorns on the cross to signify the moment of Christ going and being nailed to that cross. And then today, we're going to look at the conversation that he had about faithfulness with the two criminals that are located beside him on his right and his left. So we have those crosses here on our table to signify that. And we're going to add to this as we go through these symbols and signs of these last sayings of Christ and what they mean to us today as Christians. And so let's go ahead and take a look at this passage today. The passage where Christ replied, Truly I tell you today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, faith, faith is an interesting thing. And what is Christian faith? When you look up faith in the, in the dictionary, it means to have confidence in something. And so as a Christian, your faith is to have confidence in Jesus Christ and his resurrection and the promises that he's made in scripture and what they mean to us is to have that confidence or faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's why we had our staff members talk about the moment they realized they had faith. 
you know, for me, the moment that I had realized I had faith in Jesus, I did confirmation. And that was an important part of my faith journey. But to me, I also kind of just felt like you're going through the motions in a way when you do that. But it was very formational for me. But two weeks ago, I shared in the traditional service when I preached, the first time I really heard God was when I was at Lake Genaluska walking to the cross on the last night of the retreat they have. And I heard God tell me, you're forgiven. And I had faith in that message of grace, faith in that message of forgiveness in that moment. And that has carried me in some very dark times of my life. And there have been moments along my journey where my faith was made stronger by God being present with me in certain moments of my life. And so I add that to my journey. And so faith is a very interesting thing. It's what we're focusing on today. So let's look at some of these passages here and what it means. When you go to verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who were hung there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? If so, save yourself. And so this is a parallel to another moment in Jesus's ministry. It should be a parallel that brings you back to his temptations. If you could think back when Jesus began his ministry, he went out into the wilderness after his baptism and he was tempted by the devil three different times, three different times. He was hungry. And so the devil said, why don't you turn these rocks into bread if you're hungry? Another scene of temptation is when Jesus was on top of the temple and he said, throw yourself off and let the angels save you and everybody would see that you're the chosen one. Or, hey, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Three temptations here. And there's a parallel because in those temptations, it said when the devil realized he wasn't successful, he went away for the next opportune time. And you always begin to think, when else did the devil come to tempt Jesus? Many say when he was there in the garden praying before the guards took him. But here's another temptation, right? Jesus had the ability, yes, to save himself physically in that moment. He had the ability to also save the other criminals in that moment, but he knew that that would go against God's plan. And so he refused that final temptation on the cross there. And the other criminal, when he heard this, he rebuked him. He said, but the other rebuked him saying, do not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed have been condemned justly for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. If you go back to the other gospels, Matthew and Mark in particular, they also talk about this scene of Jesus being on the cross with the criminals beside him. Those gospels say that both criminals were deriding him. Both of them were pleading with him. But then Luke continues this narrative where at least one criminal begins to see the true Jesus that's sitting or standing right next to him on the cross beside him. And so these criminals were known to be robbers or, or bandits even. Some people say they were even what you call a social bandit, somebody that would protest Roman rule, that would cause disruption in Roman rule. And whenever you cause disruptions to the Roman rule, you would be penalized and punished and made example of. No one was going to be stronger than the emperor. No one was going to go against the emperor's law and order rule in the town. And if you do, you pay a price and you pay a public price. And this price for these criminals was crucifixion. But the second criminal said, this man, Jesus, he doesn't deserve the punishment we're getting. 
We know that we did wrong. We deserve this. But he couldn't see why Christ would need the same punishment as he. And then Jesus turned to him. And as he turned to him, the criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus replied, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. The criminal had faith at the end of who this man was beside him. And that was almost like a deathbed conversion. And I think it's important we see that this man's faith does come at the last moment and we see what Christ's response for that is. Our faith comes to us in all different ways. When you watch the videos, you saw when our staff members, faith came to them in different moments of their life. One, when he had become a father and his father passed away. And so he relied on his faith in Christ, our heavenly father to be example. Another one before she chose to get married, to have faith that this is a marriage God was going to ordain and have faith in this moment. A moment where someone felt like they were not being effective in their ministry job, but then God spoke to him and said, yes, you are worthy. Mission trip moments, when you're going on mission trips and serving, you're like, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. And God tells you, you're here for this moment and you have faith. All these different moments of faith. But for this criminal here, his faith came at the last moment because he turned to Jesus and asked him to remember me when I come into your kingdom. Remember me. And what's really important, which what we focus on this last saying of Christ, one of the final sayings that he had, Jesus said, truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is so important. This is so important because of the physical pain and punishment that Christ was experiencing on the cross. Crucifixion, many of us know, have been told and have studied, was the most painful way to die. It was a slow death, agonizing death. It's a death where you have trouble breathing because of how you're hanging. All your weight's being put on your respiratory system. So every breath you take was an effort, was an effort. And so for Christ to use some of his final breaths on earth, painful breaths, to turn to a criminal, a repentant criminal on his deathbed and to say, you will be with me today in paradise is huge. It should tell us that no far gone that we ever go in our life, but when we repent and turn to God, that his grace and love will be there no matter what is happening. No matter where we are, no matter what God is doing, that when we repent and turn to him, we are forgiven. As seen in this moment here of a criminal realizing who Jesus is. He's the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. He's not some criminal like he is and that he has the authority to bring this criminal into his kingdom. And Jesus in one of his final painful moments on earth gives this man reassurance that not only will you join me in the future, you are going to join me today. I don't know if that doesn't give you hope, but it gives me hope that no matter where I mess up in life, no matter how far gone I feel from God, that when I turn to him, he is there with open arms ready to receive me. That is what makes our God amazing. 
That is what should, should move us to worship him and to glorify him and to share that good news to others as well. It is really good news. You have to think, what type of king will allow condemned criminals of the world to implore them? What type of king? Earthly kings would not give them a chance. They would often be the ones that would enforce the punishments, but not our heavenly king. While we deserve death, he gives us life through his sacrifice on the cross. He wants us to implore him. He wants us to come to him. And so what is this kingdom of God that this criminal is asking to be a part of? What does the kingdom of God look like when we read this and we hear this? I like it what it said in this book called Feasting of the Word because they describe what the kingdom of God can look like in real terms. And this is coming from Nancy Westfield. A kingdom of God as a kingdom where a wasteful son can return to his father's loving arms. The kingdom of God is where the shepherd goes searching for that one lost sheep. The kingdom of God is a rich man's feast open to the poor and into the lame. Would we rather have Jesus say that God loves the people that we like and the people we say we like? And that God does not love the people we do not like and the people we say that are not like us? Would we rather that God doesn't love the addicts, the adulterers, the thieves? Would we rather say that God would not love the unworthy, the prostitutes, rebellious teenagers, the disgruntled employees, right? We'd prefer that if paradise were exclusively a place for nice people, people that were polite and well-behaved just like us. I like that quote because I think it speaks to the truth what some folks have going on in the back of their minds. Why would God like those undesirables? He needs to like people like me, people who are nice people, right? But that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a place for all, for all of God's people. God burst through the gates of hell with Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And so for those who believe, those who repent, those who are seeking, God is willing and ready to receive. And those who have not made that decision yet, he is actively seeking them out. He is sending folks like you and me who know the good news to go out and reach those that need to hear this message of love and grace, that they're not too far gone. Even if they're a convicted criminal nailed to the cross and about to die, you still have a moment and an opportunity to proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do, there's the promise of joining him in paradise in that moment. You see, when we have Jesus with us, as we do in today's time, in post-resurrection time, where we have the Spirit of God with us, the kingdom of God is with us. In that moment, we are bringing paradise to a dark world. It's not some distant future, but it's now. We don't have to wait for the kingdom of God because it is now with you and me, with the Holy Spirit. 
And so that should move us into action, should move us into love. Because while you may feel that you're in that dark place, you are in paradise because God is with you and you can have faith in that truth. Y'all, the best thing that has ever happened is Jesus. It really is. It is the gift that is the best gift that you and I can ever receive. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we allow this world to take that message and snuff it out. But I'm here to tell you today to not let the world do that. To not let the evil forces tempt you into believing that God is not with you. He is. And you can resist those temptations with that truth, with that message, with that hope. Today, in just a moment, we're going to take communion. What is communion? Communion is that reminder of Jesus Christ being with his disciples in his final moments before he goes to the cross, that he will be with them forever. That every time that they and us partake in communion, we are going to that moment of Christ and his disciples and we are in that place. God is with us in communion. His grace is in those elements and we are reconnected to our creator. God does not want to get rid of us. God wants to be with us and he wants us to be with him. And so as we go through this series in Lent, as we look at the final sayings of Jesus Christ, may we remember that as he is talking to the people there, he's talking to us today as well. And that his message is, is that he is here to save us and to love us and to invite us into his kingdom. So may we accept that and be grateful. Let us pray.